What better way can we all get the support we need than from physician communities full of people like us and our families? Here's an episode that brings four communities together to talk a little bit about why it's important to stay connected. Residency can be such a letdown when it comes to building your financial foundation, but it truly doesn't have to be that way. If you're a physician wanting to take control over your financial future and take back the freedom you deserve, come hang out with this money nerd. No long hours or sleepless nights. Just you, me, and the Financial Residency Podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Inman. I am so happy to have you here again to focus on your role as the hardworking physician or spouse of a physician taking on the role of the household CFO. Yep, I just promoted you to the C-suite in the big leagues now, my friends. My wife, Tay, is a pediatric pulmonologist for the Navy, so I understand the sacrifices you both make for your family or the families of others. Today's episode focuses on you and the ones closest to you. We talk about the finances and how sometimes it can feel like a lonely road. Thankfully, most of you know there are great communities that exist to keep our heads above water when guidance is needed. In fact, a few of the founders of these communities are joining me today for this awesome episode to really focus on the challenges experienced by physician families. We couldn't have had a better panel to join me for this topic. Good friend Curtis Webster, founder of Dad's Married to Doctors Community, Laura McEldry, host of the amazing podcast Married to Doctors, and Donna Vito, editor of the Physician Family Magazine, help me identify and talk through the aspects of our lives being part of a physician family. Get the scoop on some of the insights we've all acquired while both adminning our own communities and putting the financial and emotional pieces together for our own families. So thanks again for joining me. I hope you really like this one. Enjoy the show. I am so excited to have all three of these people on today. It is so exciting. So just do a quick introduction so everyone knows who we have on. Curtis, why don't we lead with you? Ah, fantastic. Ryan, thank you so much for having me, buddy. I am Curtis Webster, the founder of the Dad's Married to Doctors community. Awesome. And Donna? Hi, Ryan. It's very nice to be with you. I'm Donna Revito. I'm the editor of Physician Family Magazine and one of the admins of Physician Family Community. Amazing. And I'm happy to be here. So happy to have you here. And last but certainly not least, one of my favorite people, Laura. Hey, Ryan. I am super excited to be on your show today. I love what you're doing here. My name is Laura McKeldery, and I host a podcast called Married to Doctors. I love it. And a lot of the listeners have heard my show with you previously. So it's about time that I have you on the show. So I'm so happy that you're here. I think we're just going to jump right into it. Working with physicians and their families, I found that when it comes to finances, they often feel like they're the only ones in this position, that it's really unique to them. And maybe they feel a little bit alone, like they're the only ones that maybe have student debt or such high student debt, or it might be that they have some consumer debt left over from training. And I find that they really feel like they can't talk to anyone about this, especially like non-physician families. I was wondering, have you guys in your respective communities found this to be the case? Curtis, let's jump right in and talk about DMD and have you found this to be the case there? This was uh, definitely one of the challenges for us when we were going through 
medical school, going through residency. I mean, we were accumulating debt left and right. I mean, it got to the point where we were like, yeah, give us some more. You know, can we? <laughs> it's like, you get some debt, you get some debt. <laughs> we were getting debt from everywhere. And it was just one of those things that we didn't know anything about how to deal with it. We didn't know what to do. So when we finally finished, and now we're five years post-residency, finally just now kind of digging out from under the um, trap of it all. And no, we used to go to those steak dinners from the financial planners. And we're like, well, I don't know if I can trust you but I appreciate the steak. But no, we didn't feel like our family, our friends, or these paid professionals that we could trust. We didn't know who to go to. We were kind of stuck. Yeah. Donna, do you see that in your group? Absolutely. There's one of the reasons that I always encourage people to find their tribe of other physician families is that when you talk about the unique issues that face us financial and otherwise, we all feel that we're all alone out there and that no one gets it. And when you're talking to people who are not involved in a physician family, they don't get it. And in many cases, they don't even want to get it. Back when my husband was in his first year of residency, now we got married a week after he graduated from medical school. So I kind of didn't have that part of it. We were long distance at that time. And I remember having a job performance review at a job that I was doing very, very well at. And the producing director of the regional theater that I worked for said, you're doing great. We love your work. We're going to renew your contract, but we're not going to give you a raise because you don't need one. You're married to a doctor. Mm. Because they had no idea that he was a, you know, he was a first year resident making $12,000 a year. And other people don't get it. And so that's why it's so important to have communities like Curtis's group and Physician Family and and Laura's group and the group that you're educating because they just don't get it. And we are kind of alone out here, Mm -hmm. except for ourselves. (laughs) Exactly. It's true. And I'll I'll jump in here, too, because just yesterday, this is Laura talking, just yesterday I was at a volunteer event here in the community and I was working along someone I had met for the first time and we hit it off, you know, great personality. We were really having a lot of fun chit-chatting and working together on this project. And it came up that I had a podcast and I told her a little bit about it. And she's like, oh, you know, I love podcasting. I'll totally check out your show. What's it about? So I briefly described it to her and she said, yeah, I don't know if I'll listen. I'll probably just think you ought to be out shopping with your husband's money. And I think she said it, I think she said it kind of tongue in cheek. You know, I had to give her the benefit of the doubt because she was a friendly person. But after that comment, I was kind of like, how do we respond to that? You know, it kind of like just baffles me. People's misconceptions of uh, physician finance and physician family finance. I think one of the reasons that as physician families, we're hesitant to talk about it is there is a false perception out there in the public. And then the other thing I would add to this, the other angle is when you start Googling online physician finance stuff, you'll find a bunch of stuff in the fire community, which I think is amazing. But like, I feel like I'm so not there either. So that's really intimidating too. So I feel like it's really one way directional this way, like this fire And I'm like, holy crap, we're way behind all these people. They're so smart. They're so educated. Like, you guys are blowing us out of the water. And then on the other end, I have the public that thinks I can just go shopping. And so I'm like, feel like, oh, my gosh, where's my safe space? And that's kind of what I'm trying to create. Like, I feel like, where's just my down-to-earth people? Mm -hmm. (laughs) And that's what I'm looking for. 
the thing is, is when you look at it, society is putting this pressure on like, oh, you're a doctor or, oh, you're married to a doctor, right? Your example there or, you know, what kind of car you drive. And they look at this and say like, you should be able to afford this, you know, because of the stigma that they have that like every doctor is wealthy and they don't realize that it takes so much time and sacrifice and lots of debt to get there in order to do it. It's not like any of our spouses went into this to become filthy rich. Uh, otherwise, I would have said you probably need to do something else. They do it because they love it. They want to help people. <laughs> it's hard to see. I love what all three of you are doing with your communities and really excited to kind of dive into this more. I want to change this a little bit to be a little more personal for you guys. What was maybe one of the financial challenges that you've gone through and have you overcome it? And if so, how did you do it? So Donna, let's start with you. Oh, I have one piece of really important financial advice for every physician family, actually for every human being out there. Don't ever open a restaurant. Oh, okay. <laughs> Especially if you've never even worked in one. Okay. Oh, wow. And that was our financial challenge because my husband's second year of private practice, we decided it would be a great idea for me to open a restaurant. I've never added up how much money we lost in the two years that that restaurant was open. Oh. We went into it with, I mean, honestly, we were going to be the McDonald's of salads and soups. Okay. I had huge plans. The bank could not wait to give us money. They just could not wait. We fell into the category of the 90% of restaurants that don't make it. Mm -hmm. And I've never worked harder and it strained our marriage mm -hmm. and it was just a terrible financial decision at that point in our lives. Actually, at any point in our lives, it would have been a <laughs> terrible financial decision. What we discovered in the course of that was that if you're going to open a business, if you're going to take the financial resources that the physician is working really, 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 really hard for know what the heck you're doing because I'm a great cook, but as a restaurant manager, I was a dismal failure. So I always encourage people because physicians often get involved in other business ventures. And we know right. a lot of other physicians and their families who've gotten involved in the restaurant industry and every single one of them has failed. So you have to know what you're doing if you're going to invest money. I love it. Yeah. Know what you're doing. Educate yourself before you're making any big financial decision. That's, that's, I mean, wise advice for anyone, but especially physicians and their families as they start what? researching and, you know, it's a big into these side gigs and trying to earn extra passive income and things like that. And people just maybe get a little starry eyed and think, Hey, we could do this. And maybe it's taking on too much, uh, more than they can kind of bite because, you know, to be honest, physicians don't have that much time. So it could fall. And, on the, and the other thing is that because everybody thinks physicians are rich, banks can't wait to give you money for cockeyed business ventures. And nobody at the bank said, well, gee, have you ever run a restaurant? You know, is this a, is this a good idea? They just, oh, yeah, here, take our money. So, you know, we have to be very wary of people who encourage us to do things that maybe aren't in our best interest. That unfortunately oh. plagues the financial industry. Laura, what do you think here? What are your maybe financial challenge Sure. So one of the hardest times for our 
financial, our financial, our physician family was during medical school. We were trying to have a family and go to medical school at the same time. And we had moved. And so work for me had been difficult. And then on top of everything, we had a son with a pretty serious brain tumor during that time. So one of the things that can happen when you're in training is you can have health issues, you can have bills, you can have things like that come up. And so for us, it became just at one point we were like, okay, what do we do? Does Josh drop out of medical school? Where are we at here? We had a baby less than a year old. We had a four-year-old in speech full time and still struggling to say words like milk and mom. And then on top of that, the kiddo in between those two had this, like I said, pretty serious brain tumor. And so that was a difficult time for our family emotionally and then physically, of course, as my husband was trying to do his rotations and then financially, because you're trying to make ends meet, you don't have a lot of money to start with. We were living off student loans and we're trying to stretch, stretch, stretch those student loans I am very thankful for the Medicaid program in our state that we qualified for. I know that there's a lot of stigma sometimes around using those and people have various opinions on it. But for me, I'll always be grateful for that because I really feel like without that, we would not have made it through that time. We just wouldn't have. We would have crashed and burned and I don't know where we'd be today. But with that program, my husband's been able to finish and now, sure, you know, now he makes more money. We pay more taxes. But anytime I go to complain about that, I often feel like, well, we've also benefited by having some some programs that are tax funded. And it gives me a little bit of a softer look at those higher tax brackets. Yeah, that's an amazing story. I appreciate you sharing that. That's a tough one to go through. What what other did you have any other resources that helped you get through that? Our parents helped us out as far as like helping take care of kids and things like that, but they weren't in a position to help us financially. Mm-hmm. And so we didn't have a lot of other resources. We used state funding. We were very very poor during that time and we just kind of got through it. And that's, I'm sure, one of the main drivers to building what you've built to have that kind of support. All of you have really, I mean, it sounds bad when our spouses listen to this and I call it a support group, but <laughs> and that's that's really what it is. It's here to, to be here for each other and, and to know what we're going through as spouses of physicians. Curtis, I know you yeah. and I talked a lot offline about financial challenges, but let's hear one from, from the man behind DMD. <laughs> You know, it's funny because like you said, when when you think about support and we talk about this a lot, especially with guys, the guys don't ever want to think about the fact that they need support. They don't want to think, oh, I need to join a support group so I can get some help. So a lot of times I try and actually say community. And like, I know that's how you started off the conversation, these great medical marriage communities, these great medical communities to help us learn things that we didn't know, help us overcome some of these challenges. Like you said, in our conversations and one of the things I learned, even not talking to you directly, but listening to your podcast about money dates actually helped me and Allison to work on uh, one of our biggest challenges, which, of course, as everybody says, that dreaded C word. Can everybody say it with me? Communication. Oh, boy. (laughs) I know Allison. I don't want to play along with this. I'm a little afraid of Allison if she gets mad. (laughs) It's very clear why she went into the ER, right? Yeah. And she tells me all the time, I can catch you up and say you back together and like nothing ever happened. <laughs> yeah, that was real words of encouragement. I'm like, I love you, Allison. Did I tell you right? how beautiful today? <laughs> but yeah, so that was one of the biggest things that we tried to, one of our biggest challenges. Thankfully, we didn't open up a restaurant, you know, or have any 
you know, medical issues. Smart move. Yeah. (laughs) Or have medical issues with the children. But our biggest thing was, like I said at the very beginning, we became so risk adverse or so used to taking on um, debt that it just kept accumulating. So we had to try and figure out how to kind of get from underneath that load. So in talking with you, that's when we actually said, okay, this consumer debt, let's actually go ahead and start consolidating this. So, you know, we went and looked at SoFi and we were able to finally get all that stuff into one place because we had, I mean, I think at one point in time, we had 20 different automatic payments going out to different Wow. to different companies between consumer debt and, and medical debt and just day-to-day living. We were paying everybody. And it was like people um, always say you have this big old income that's finally coming in. But I also tell people a lot of times what you don't know, especially with physician families is we were just broke at a higher level. <laughs> you know, yeah. we were trying to figure out how to get from under that. So finally through consolidating, we were able to significantly lower the amount of payments that were going out, but also the amount of the those payments that were going out. Yeah, but so, so now we actually have a plan. <laughs> yeah, lowering the interest rate, getting things consolidated, and it kind of brings to a point like just making things simple. Like in the beginning, yes, it's all about exactly. simplicity, right? It's not investment returns. It's actually savings returns and making things simple to understand. It's something called behavioral finance, but you put a little bit of emotion behind the money that helps yes. accelerate, and, and then you start hitting your financial goals. This is a cool transition over to like the household CFO, what I call it, like who runs the day-to-day. So Laura, I know you've got a podcast. You basically have a basketball team of kids at your house. Like how, who handles your guys' finance? Like how do you guys kind of tackle that? Well, that's a good question. Sometimes to be honest with you, Ryan, we don't tackle it very well. I would say that it kind of falls to me very begrudgingly. In fact, when we were dating, I told Josh, I said, he was a math major, right? And he was going to be a math teacher. I love that because growing up, the one thing I remember my parents getting into it over was finances. And I was like, you know, as I go into this marriage, I don't want to fight about money. And here I am marrying this math major. And to me, that (laughs) meant like a spreadsheet dork that was going to sit down and figure out all this stuff all to my benefit. Right. And I could just, in my mind's eye, I had him sitting there paying the bills and building us a 401k and all this wonderful stuff. As the medical journey started, he just didn't have the time and it fell to me. And I'm like, what, what? I, I don't know any of this stuff. A lot of it became overwhelming to me. And I just kind of procrastinate it or kind of tell myself, well, I'm not a numbers person. I'm not a math person. I can't do it. And what I've learned over our marriage is I need to educate myself at least a little bit about some of this stuff. So I better understand where the money's going. What do all these numbers mean for us and which ones are more important than others? And so it has fallen to me by and large. I've struggled with it. I'm not perfect at it. There's been different things I've tried. But then Josh and I do sit down fairly regularly. I'd like to say it's once a month. It's probably not. It's probably like more every two to three months. And we look at our big picture again and where are we at and what are we doing? I'm fortunate that he works a lot because he's kind of the spender. (laughs) So so it's kind of good that he's at the hospital a lot because it seems like, you know, when he comes home, it's like Disney dad. I'm like, no, 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 no. You can't be Disney dad. You can't just like go up you know, one weekend out of a month and decide to spend all this money. But um, it's funny. (laughs) We laugh about that. So, you know, know, to look at those numbers. Yeah. And thinking on it, like 
with what you have going on and, and maybe necessarily not loving what it is, it just stresses the importance of like just making things simple. Like how can you consolidate making it down to one bank and making it really easy to understand? Maybe you just have one checking account that pays all the bills and maybe a couple little savings accounts you maybe automate or like in Curtis's case, consolidation of debt. If that makes sense from an interest rate, but also just not having 20 places that you're paying, right? Donna, what do you kind of think on this? We have up until fairly recently, had a private solo medical practice. And a long time ago, because he was taking care of the bills at the office, Peter decided to take care of the bills from home at the office as well, which I was really happy to let him do. (laughs) So we're still doing all of that out of the office, even though he is now employed by a health system. Mm. This is a new thing, actually. It's been about a year since he became an employed physician and we're really enjoying not paying malpractice premiums and for our employees health insurance and a lot of other things. He takes care of the day to day, but the bigger picture thing is we work on together. We, when it's time to meet with our financial advisor, we meet with him together and I take care of the bills for the boys at school because we've got two sons in graduate school now. So I take care of all that. We've kind of come to a really nice balance and we've kind of come to a point in our lives. We've been married for a very long time now. We used to have trouble communicating about financial issues, but we're so much better at it now than we used to be. And that removes a lot of stress and anxiety from our relationship that we can talk about money now without getting mad at each other. We're in a good place with it right now. So I'm very happy about that. That's awesome. Curtis, I'm throwing you under the bus slightly because you're laughing as she's saying, working on the communication piece. What, what are you exactly. laughing about? Oh, man. No, exactly. She's like, we can talk about it and not get mad. <laughs> it's like, well, great. It, it took us a long time, it, Curtis. It takes We've a been while. married 35 years. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah. See, my wife and I, we're, we'll, be, uh, we'll be 13 years in June. We always thought that I would handle the finances. It's funny because Allison knew going into marrying me, we met in college, actually, we met day one of orientation. So she knew coming to my dorm room that I would have mail sitting on my desk. And she's like, she calls me CJ. CJ, what's all these bills over here? And why are there all these letters? And why are they all different colors? It had gone from oh, the white no. envelope to the yellow envelope to the, <laughs> <laughs> to, the red. to the red envelope. So she knew going into our marriage that I was not the best with with money. I'm like, oh, they know I'm in college. I'll get they'll get their money when they get it. <laughs> so, so she knew what she was walking Everybody's in done she, that. She knew what she was getting into, but lo and behold, because she had the crazy schedule, of course, it made more sense for me to try and handle the finances. And so, you know, one of the things I've actually learned from guys in the community is automation. Automate, automate, automate. Get it out of my hands. Don't put it on my brain. My Actually, as I just found out, my ADHD brain, which also doesn't focus very well on minute details and things that are, are low stimulation, things that aren't interesting to me like finances. Automate it. So now we have all the stuff that comes out. We know between which days of the month these different things are going to come out. And so we'll try and get together kind of like Laura said. The goal is monthly. It's probably more like quarterly. But we will actually sit down and go over those things because actually at that point, Kind of like you said, Laura, my wife loves to travel. When she first came out of residency, we said we put all these vacations on hold, so we're going to make up for that. And we were literally somewhere every couple of months after uh, post-residency. 
Also not a great way to stay out of debt, <laughs> by the way. <laughs> so you mentioned something funny here, Curtis. So you talked about some of the things that you maybe learned through the community. Laura, what have you learned through your community since starting it? Well, if you want a really practical tip, this is a good one. So if you have to sit down and and do a bunch of finances one day and you need to make phone calls and organize your life and you're not looking forward to it, you need to set up a little um, bath for your feet and you need to soak your feet in some like, <laughs> and you need to kind of relax while you're doing it because money stresses people out. Right. And so yeah. if you can do anything to kind of help you relax through the process, maybe it's change your mindset. Maybe think of it as more like a puzzle, right? Think of it as like an interesting problem to solve rather than like, <laughs> oh my gosh, like this is so important and you get all that tension and stress or, or you might think I just can't figure it out instead of just kind of change the environment a little bit, you know, put on some music you enjoy in the background, soak your yep. feet while you do it. I know that sounds silly, but for people that That's aren't money sense. people, yep. it makes a big difference when you go to do the work. That's so true. I love it. Donna, what do you think? What have you really learned from your community since starting it? I've always been involved with a physician family community from Peter's very first day of residency, you know, through to what I do now. What I've learned from the community is the importance of having a community and the importance of having people in my life who understand the physician family life. There are hundreds of physician spouse Facebook groups out there, hundreds. I belong to hundreds of them. The thing that I see the most often is that physician spouses, physician partners are simply looking for validation that they're not alone out there and that they need to have a place to go and vent. So what I've learned from being in all of these communities is the importance of finding your tribe. And once you find your tribe in this crazy medical life, you have a support system for every other thing that comes up as part of it. There are recurring themes. There's the loneliness. There's periodic resentment. There's other people not getting it. And I see these over and over and over again. And I know that if I hadn't had people to communicate with during the worst of the times and had people to share my frustration with, I don't know that we'd be in as good a place as we're in right now. Mm -hmm. So you just have to go out and find those people who get it. And I probably should have started it with this, but if we could go around and just say, how long have you either been together or married to your physician spouse? Curtis, I know it's been a while, right? Yeah, it's been about 13 years uh, for me and Allison, yeah. Yeah. How long were you dating before that? We dated for five years. Okay. So yeah, we dated, yeah, something like that. I'm losing all my track of time, but yeah, it's we good. dated for about five years before we got married. Yeah. So then 13 years later, yeah. Okay. Donna, yourself? Peter and I have been together since, well, we started dating in December of 1976. So we've been together a really long time. And we got married in 1983 after being long distance for six years while he was in graduate school and medical school. Mm. Oh, wow. Laura, how about yourself? Yeah, we just celebrated our 17th anniversary a couple months ago, so... We're doing good. I love it. <laughs> nice. I love it. Taylor and I have been married for five years, but together for 15. We met freshman year of college in the dorm. 
And I joke and say, yes, you can do the math. It took me 10 years to marry a doctor. <laughs> so, for good reason. For good reason. <laughs> oh, man. Don't get in trouble. Don't yeah, I know. Trouble. She listens. She's like my forced, my biggest forced fan. So I know she hears every show. Don't get in trouble, Curtis. She'll start texting you. No, exactly. <laughs> all right. So I absolutely love all three of you, the communities you guys have built. And I think that inside of the financial residency group, there are some people who just haven't heard of your groups. So if we could, and Donna, let's start with you. If someone hasn't heard of your community before, what's something that they could get out of it? The physician family community is kind of a community within a community. Physician Family Magazine was created by the American Medical Association Alliance back in, uh, I guess we decided to do it in August of 2013. And the American Medical Association Alliance is the sister organization of the American Medical Association, which is focused on physician families. It's been around since 1924. Just a little bit. So, Just a little little bit bit of time. (laughs) So it's a venerable community. And we created Physician Family Magazine and Physician Family Media as a way to reach out to more physician families than we were in. We were actually strategizing how we could get more members. Our executive director, who's this beautiful lady from Maryland, who to me is kind of like a dead ringer for Barbara Bush. (laughs) You know, I mean, she'd be a great first lady. We were talking about how we could reach out to our members and the projects we'd done. And this beautiful Southern lady said, so what do y'all do for people who aren't members of your little club? (laughs) And we all just kind of sat back and said, wow, uh, well, gee, we're not doing very much of anything for those people aside from trying to get them to be members. Exactly. And shortly afterwards, we came up with the idea of creating an external publication that we would make available for free online to every physician family in the United States. And that's, well, actually in the world. We've got 150 readers in Myanmar, which I don't quite know. Myanmar. I don't know how they found us, but they did. We then created Physician Family Magazine, which kind of broadened our scope and gave us the opportunity to connect with many, many more people. Actually, I know all three of you because of Physician Family Magazine. I was uh, gratified to be asked to be the editor of the publication. And through Physician Family Magazine, we've gone ahead and created a closed Facebook group called Physician Family community. And the nice part about physician family community is that we have multiple administrators who represent different organizations, including Curtis and Laura, so that we can provide incredible resources to all the people who are members of physician family community. I've always been involved with a local physician family spouses group. I joined the AMI Alliance in 1999, and it's all been terrific. I've made incredible friends, and my appeal would be that if you want to be connected with physician families all over the country in a solid organization that has a history and that does incredible health projects, Here we are, the AMA Alliance and Physician Family. Beautiful. Laura. Thank you. I love the podcast, not just because I was on it, but I love what you're doing. (laughs) It's such a cool side to see. 
that side of the physician family, if you will. Um, Laura, tell us a little bit more about what you're doing at Married to Doctors. Whenever someone asks me this question, it's kind of hard, right? Because I'm like, what is like the tangible? What is like that takeaway thing that you get from listening to the show? It's hard for me to describe, but it's real. And one of the things I'm super proud of is if you go to my Apple podcast page and you scroll through the reviews, the things that people say are so amazing. So I got this one that said, um, in an age of unattainable perfection fed to us via Instagram and Pinterest, this podcast is a refreshing taste of reality. She said, a friend recommended it to me as I listened to my first episode as I was literally running an extra set of underwear to my spouse because he'd been at the hospital that long, right? (laughs) And I love that. And then another person wrote in just a couple days ago and said, what a gem. I found this podcast after hate Googling married to a doctor while frustratingly waiting for my surgeon husband to get home from the hospital one night. And I'm so glad I did because it feels like it's been a game changer in our relationship. So again, it's hard for me to say like, what's the tangible, but there's something magical about the way that we are so honest and vulnerable on my show that I think is missing maybe in other platforms. It's very real and honest are the words that I hear back from people a lot of times. And that's really what we're trying to do is create a safe place, a soft landing for people to come and talk about their struggles. But we try to have fun too. You know, it's not like a Debbie Downer kind of thing. Like hopefully it's improving your relationship. That's the intention behind it. My tagline is to strengthen families, to support physician families, make successful homes happier is the actual tagline there. Mm -hmm. So that's what I want to do. You know, a lot of us, we are considered successful, but then it's like, well, dang it, why aren't I happier? You know, so (laughs) to make successful homes happier, kind of a big goal, but that's what we're going for. And I'm thrilled that it's happening and helping even in just small ways. And anyone listening, if you want to hear Laura's show, just as you're hearing the show right now, just search Married to Doctors. It's got a cool little image of Laura and 50 some odd shows now. Yeah. Releasing number 59 tomorrow. Perfect. So episodes to catch up on. Highly recommend it. I love it. Curtis, let's switch to you. DMD, we've had several members on. I can speak as a member of DMD that I really, truly love the community. It's been an amazing resource. And honestly, I've made some lifelong friends in there. But tell everyone if they, I know they have, if they've listened to the show, but they haven't heard it from the man himself. So let's hear about (laughs) DMD and what's something that they can get out of it. I definitely appreciate the opportunity, Ryan. And it's funny because I, I tell people all the time when I sat on Facebook literally four years ago here in the in the month of December, looking for a community, looking for a tribe, as Donna said uh, so many times today, trying to find a group of guys that were in my same situation that would just get it. And I couldn't find it. And when I couldn't find it, I clicked that little create button and the stories, the friendships, the impact that has uh, happened and my life and across uh, the folks that I've heard, I mean, we now are, what, 3,600 guys in 25-plus countries around the world. I mean, it's growing like crazy. So when my wife was in uh, medical school, you know, 2006 or so, during medical school, we had our first child. Residency, we had our second. The attending years, you know, when things were supposed to be so much better, we had our third. <laughs> 
you know, and I found myself just sitting there one night, actually it was, like I said, right around Christmas. Things were great. As Laura said, you know, a successful home, just trying to figure out how to make things happier. My wife found a community for physician moms, a physician mom group on Facebook. And I said, there's got to be a group out there for guys. There's got to be a group out there for dads married to doctors that can understand what we're doing. And at that point in time, I didn't know about the American, the, the AMA Alliance. I didn't know that there was a group out, out there supporting physician families. So since I couldn't find them, I said, well, here, I'll start on my own. And now we Good have been you. able. Yeah, I know. I appreciate it. And Good now for it's, you. And it's great because now we're able to partner with, you know, the physician family community as well as with Married to Doctors and all these other fantastic communities like the financial residency community to bring all these different resources back to medical marriages so we can all become better. Something that we try to do in addition to sharing these great podcast resources, we also have offline events as well as online events. We're actually about to have our fourth annual DMD retreat, our dad's getaway. We're also about to have our first couples retreat over in St. Lucia because as Laura said, yeah, we want to make the, you know, the empower and educate the dads to become better dads and husbands. But a part of that is also making sure we strengthen the physician family. The best way to do that is by getting the couple away from the rest of the family. (laughs) So we started with the dad retreat. Now we have the couple retreat. And then next on the list is actually a whole family retreat that we're going to start offering all across the board, just creating opportunities for us to take these online relationships, take them offline, make them better, make them stronger, and really get immersed in our tribes. I absolutely love it. And I've been to several retreats so far. It's always a blast hanging out with guys that are in the same spot that know what we're going through and, you know, again, building lifelong friends with some of these guys. So if you're out there, if you're a physician, that's a female physician, that's married, tell your spouse about this. It's an amazing group. And I'm just so thankful that it's there and that you, you have me in the group, Curtis. So, <laughs> and you're you a big part. Thank you, you so much. You haven't removed me out of the group yet. So, you know, that's why actually I had you on the show is to keep it so I can still stay. So <laughs> that's right. Paying your dues, right? <laughs> exactly. No, I'm just kidding. Well, no, you're amazing. All of you. Thank you so much for being show. It's it, just being here and, and I'm honored to have all of you. And I really hope that everyone listening checks out all three of your communities if they fit inside there because you guys are all doing a a great job and I've learned something through all three of your communities. So thank you again for being on. Thanks for having us, Ryan. Absolutely. Thanks for having us. What a great panel to discuss the benefits of being a part of a physician family community. A special thank you to Curtis, Laura, and Donna, who are all incredibly insightful on sometimes really tough aspects of our lives as physician spouses or being a part of a physician family. For a quick recap, we talked through a lot. We talked through things like when those who aren't part of a physician family don't understand the true nature of our situations, either financially or emotionally. Sometimes it can get off as a bit judgmental based on preconceived notions of what a physician's spouse's role or how wealthy a physician family should be. The notion that every doctor is filthy rich. Boy, if that was the case, that'd be fun. Well, when in reality, when they could be making 50000 a year or have negative net worth of hundreds of thousands of dollars thanks to student loans. Y'all have sacrificed so many things, tons of financial hurdles, and probably acquired mounds of debt. That doesn't equate to filthy rich. Some people just don't get it. We heard how shopping with your husband's money isn't really a good thing to tell a physician wife, according to Laura. Yeah, let's not do that. I wish we could all communicate that to everyone outside of our circles. 
We also talk about how physician families sometimes crave a safe space to be real and supportive of others as well. We also address communicating about money solves a lot of problems even before they become problems like Curtis suggested. Just don't get to the point where you get those color-coded envelopes like he did. Uh, Curtis, that was actually really funny. This ties into the importance of having a community to belong to and being a part of a group that can validate that you're not alone. Finding your tribe is important, and I want all of you listening to this to know that you have found that tribe with the Financial Residency Community. If you haven't joined us yet in our private Facebook group, please do. Overall, this was a super fun episode talking about being part of a physician family. Hopefully you, your spouse, everyone that was listening enjoyed it, and be sure to share it with someone that you know would like it as well. I want to let you guys all know that I have a new podcast coming out at the beginning of the year next week called The Money Care Specialists. This show will be 100% based around case studies of healthcare professionals. You guys all hear about all these financial topics in theory, but it's hard to see how all this can really relate to a specific situation. And that's where this new show comes into play. Each week, we're going to dive into someone's financial life, what we call a financial health assessment, and tell you how, as fee-only planners, we would approach this situation as if it were a real client. What do we see as the potential roadblocks? How would we solve this potential problem or this situation? What would our recommendations be for someone that's in a similar scenario? So if you just can't get enough of me chatting it up here on the mic, please search for the show in whatever podcast player you're listening to me in right now and subscribe. Money Care Specialists, come find us. You won't regret it. Next week, we actually have several shows coming out. Our first show is going to be a sample of the Money Care Specialist show, followed by an amazing show with Scott Trench, the president of Bigger Pockets, where we nerd out on all sorts of numbers, followed by a new style episode that will be coming out on Fridays. I can't wait for you all to see what I have in store for you and for our community. Wishing you all happy holidays. Cheers. This podcast is like a marriage. You get out of it what you put in. So if you show up and put in the time to learn about the financial topics most affecting you, you'll more than likely grow in your financial savviness. But here's the thing. What you hear in this show is to be taken with a generic stride. It's a blanket adaptation of different financial topics affecting physician families. I can't guarantee any specific advice because I don't know who you are or what financial challenges you may be facing. I'd recommend consulting an attorney, a CPA, or me, a fee-only financial planner to help you with any of those questions.